Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, family. How are you guys doing? Good to see all of you. Uh, as you can see, we're in a series called No Ordinary Hope, and uh, it is my pleasure to be up here during Student Takeover Sunday. Um, man, it is awesome. It gets me all excited. I feel even better when I'm preaching, when I know that I'm doing it alongside the next generation of Christian leaders. Um, they are the future, and so to see them serving God uh, now faithfully is an amazing and wonderful thing. So uh, thank you uh, for letting us come up here and do this. Um, let me start off by saying uh, that there is no secret that uh, we could use some hope right about now in our lives. Am I right? Yeah, things are not looking great these days. Uh, and politics are stressful at best. Um, there's all kinds of things going on around the world. And I could say that we are in a hope epidemic. We need some hope. And so uh, it is my pleasure to bring God's word to you this morning to talk about just that. So to start share a story with you. A few years ago, my family and I went to an amusement park, and uh, it was a very stressful experience for me. I did not have a lot of fun, um, because for me, I like controlled environments, and trying to pay attention to two little bodies running around in big crowds, not my idea of fun. But, uh, now this is a true story, and you guys over here know this already, uh, I had the best dessert of my entire life that day, all right? It was a funnel cake. Now, this funnel cake wasn't just any funnel cake. It wasn't just fried dough with powdered sugar. No, no, no. This funnel cake was amazing. It had a layer of Nutella. Okay, start off with that. Yeah, I already got you. It's amazing. All right, so Nutella. Then it had strawberries. Then it had chocolate sauce. Then it had whipped cream. And then it had M&M sprinkled on top. Yes, I'm pretty sure Jesus made this dessert. But anyway, so... I see people walking around with this thing, and I'm like, I have to have that. Like, this isn't an option. I need that in my face. And so uh, I couldn't necessarily bring myself to, like, cut down on the pride and, like, walk up to somebody and admit that I wanted it. So I wasn't going to ask where it was, but I was going to keep searching. And the more and more I kept searching and couldn't find this dessert somewhere in the park, I said, you know what? My need for this thing is outweighing my pride right now. Like, I need this so bad that I have to ask somebody, okay, where did you get that? And they finally told me. And uh, where the uh, metaphor kind of breaks down a little bit is that as immediately as I had it, I went to a diabetic coma, and then I slept for a very long period of time, and my children were, like, poking me with sticks. Um, but different story for another day. So, uh, so I'm looking for this funnel click. It's amazing. And I feel like, I feel like hope is a lot like that. Now, obviously, it's not a delicious dessert made by angels, but hope is like this thing that is not meant to be hoarded for ourselves. Hope is something that is so wonderful and so beautiful that when people see it and interact with it, they have to ask, hey, where did you get that? And I think we're in a time and in a life right now where we need to be the people of hope. We need to be people that when people, others walk by, we go, oh, that's different. Where can I get that? I want that. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. We are in a series called Hope, and I believe hope is not just something we hoard for ourselves. It starts in your experiences with trusting God, and it starts when you're young. So I think of lifestyle of hope can be a powerful thing. 
um, more powerful than we may realize. So we're going to pray and then we're going to jump into our scriptures. So Heavenly Father, just we lift your word up to you this morning. We lift this day up to you. And we just ask that you show up in the ways that we don't even imagine yet, Lord. I pray, God, that you uh, change our hearts and minds and our perceptions to be more focused on having hope in you. In your name we pray. Amen. So our scripture today is Psalm 71, verses 1 through 8. And it's going to be on the screen up here. Okay. In you, Lord. I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth, I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. That's our scripture this morning. Now, as we get into this, I think we need to get a little bit of perspective. Um, This was most likely written by David, and it was written at a time where he's been walking with God for a long time. This is way later in his life. He's seen some good times, and he's seen some not-so-good times. And he's writing this uh, yet again in a time of great pain and distress. He is frustrated. He's saying, God, people have to get me again. I need you. And so some commentators have called this the prayer of the aged believer. I love that. The prayer of the aged believer. Now, it might be tempting to think that your age in being a believer is how old you are. But let me tell you, if you have ever walked through anything where it was just you and God and he was the only answer, it could put some miles on you, right? Like it put some years on you. Just you you could be a 30 year old ready to retire in the kingdom from some of the stuff you might have seen. You know what I mean? So age in the kingdom isn't necessarily uh, how old you are, but it's how many times you have spent in prayer with God, hoping when there was no hope. That puts age on you. And so I think that can cut across all age brackets when we talk about what it means to have hope in the God we love and serve. And so as we paint the picture of this, having hope in the midst of challenging times, I think it would be good to identify what it is that we're hoping for. What are we asking God for when we look to him for our answers? Well, I think a lot of times what happens is we become hopeless. Uh, it's because we think of our circumstances as if they're a surprise or shocking to God. That when all of a sudden things don't go the way they should, when a relationship breaks down, when circumstances come in, into play that is not okay, we immediately go, God, what happened? I hate my life. Where are you? Punt Christian duty. There it goes. But that's not really how it works. Hope isn't defining our own answers for our problems. Hope isn't defining the how and when God should deliver us from our stuff. See, hope is found. Actually, let me reverse that. Let's go to verse two really quick. He says, in your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Watch this. In your righteousness, It's saying, God, in your righteousness, I trust you to deliver me. So your first fill-in is going to be hope is trusting God over yourself. Hope is trusting God over yourself. When we choose, is it up, did it go up there? 
There we go. Hope is trusting God over yourself. See, as we begin to build on our lifestyle of hope, as we begin to build on trusting uh, God and his righteousness, it's saying, look, I will let you, Lord, define and set the terms for how and when you will deliver me. That no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what I'm going through, God, in your righteousness, in your perfect love for me, in your perfect care and understanding of who I am, I trust you to say how and when you will deliver me. So hope is trusting God over yourself. And I think there's two different ways in which God could deliver us. Okay? There's one way in which he just straight up delivers us out of something. An example of this would be a young man is being bullied at school and uh, he just can't take it anymore. He's being made fun of. He's being beat up. And he finally says, you know what? Enough's enough. I've got to confront this guy. And the night before he's going to do this confrontation, he is just crying out to God saying, I cannot do this. I, I am afraid. I'm full of fear. I'm full of anxiety. I'm hopeless. God, I need you to come through. And then the following day comes and he's in the class right before he's going to meet with this kid. And about five seniors notice that there's something wrong with the young man. They say, hey, what's going on? And he explains it to him and says, well, I've got to go confront this bully. And then before you know it, nobody gets hurt, but the bully gets called out of class. And these five massive seniors say, hey, uh, if you mess with him, you're going to have to go through us. So don't touch him anymore. And then he never heard from the bully again. That is God delivering out of something. Believe it or not, I was the kid getting bullied. So, uh, spoiler alert. Um, so, in those moments, there are times when God will deliver you out of something. Kind of this miraculous thing. When the Israelites were in slavery and captivity in Egypt, at the right time, God said, okay, we're not going to let you live in this anymore. I'm going to deliver you out, and I'm going to move heaven and earth to do so. So, there are times when God will do that. But I think more often than not... The second way God delivers us, which is infinitely harder, I know, is that he will deliver us through something. He'll deliver us through something. Uh, my wife and I, our first year of marriage was one of the darkest times of my walk with God, and she will say the same thing. It was hard. And not only, uh, it was not easy because, first of all, we were fighting all the time. We had no Christian friends. And then on top of that, we were poor. I'm talking like the kind of poor where you got to beat the roaches to the microwave poor, okay? Me carrying off my hoagie before I even get to it. It's this gross kind of poor. All right, so you had all that stress, no family, no friends. And I can remember late nights just saying, God, get me out of this. This is not what marriage is supposed to be. God, please save me. And she said the same thing. She was like, God, we got to get out of this. We can't do this. And then God, in his righteousness, looked down and whispered, no. <laughs> he said no. And I thank God that he did. I thank God that he got us through it instead of getting us out of it because at this point in our lives, my wife and I have just celebrated our eight years of marriage. Uh, yep. And uh, she's my best friend. I love her like crazy. Two beautiful boys. And so I'm thankful that God will deliver us through things sometimes because in those moments, in those moments, he will build a character of faith in you. In those moments, he will build on the things you will look back on and say, yeah, I can hope in God. He got me through that. See, there's an old saying that says, um, the best way out is always through. And I don't know about always, all right? but I think in this case, I believe that to be true, that uh, getting through it was better. Robert Frost said, if he could sum up life in three words, in three words, he would say, it 
goes on. And the older I get, the more I realize that, that life just kind of has this way of going on. It never stops. And if you look back, you can see this faithfulness of God shot throughout with hope that no matter what, life keeps going and going and going and God is there for it all. And he never stops taking care of you. And so uh, Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That statement has never been more true today as it was back then. Because no matter what, the unshakable hand of God is on you. God has got you. He has never not had you. He never won't have you. If you are in Christ, God will take care of you. And so we have hope because we believe in the righteousness of God first. Hope is trusting God over yourself. So I think the question begs to be asked, how do we train ourselves to have this kind of hope? How do we train ourselves, our hearts and our minds to be hopeful? Well, if you look at verse five and six, it says, uh, for you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my, since my youth. From birth, I have relied on you. You have brought me forth from my mother's womb. If we are going to fuel our faithfulness, uh, if we're going to fuel our hope, it is fueled by God's faithfulness. If we are going to look to God first, then it needs to be fueled by something. Hope is fueled by God's faithfulness. His taking care of you in the past. His immaculate track record of never letting you go is how we fuel our hope for today. So he's crying out to God and he's saying, God, there's all these things going on. But he says, wait a minute. You've been my hope since my youth. Since I was a freckly faced teenager killing giants. You've been with me forever. And he recalls on these things. I think what's important to understand here is that hope is built on your experiences from the very beginning. And in verse five, he says, you know, you've been with me since my youth. So you young people, teenagers that are here right now, um, when you're following out your faith, don't be afraid to take risks for the cause of Christ now because you're building on your faith for a lifetime. I can remember when I first came to Christ, I wanted to start a Bible study at my school. And I had realized that that was going to be a little bit of a problem because before I gave my life to Christ, I was a terrible human being. And I was not nice to people. And I had this trail of people that I had hurt their feelings and I had made fun of. And, and I was like, how am I just going to start a Bible study and say, okay, I'm a Christian. Now you can forget all that. Come hang out with me. That wasn't going to fly. And so God said, no, you're going to go and you're going to go ask for forgiveness and you're going to apologize to all those people. And I said, oh, okay. All right. So here we go. And uh, that was a big deal for me. Because image and who I was was so ingrained in me that if I had to go and trust God enough to say, all right, I'm going to put some social capital on the line. I'm going to identify with the outskirts of my social circle to begin to make amends and apologize and show uh, that Christ has made a difference in my life. And I'm so glad that he did. Because that moment right there, among others, was that building block of hope in my youth. And so for you young folks, don't miss that. Even you older folks. You're at work, maybe you don't necessarily love identifying as a Christian because it may just be uncomfortable, or maybe you don't love identifying in the way that you follow Jesus, but it may just be the very thing that builds your first building block of hope and trusting God in something to take care of you. And so again, if you're willing to take the risk, it's worth it. So if these moments where we build on our hope, if we're standing there and life circumstances come around us and things are hard, 
It's a mental exercise to say, okay, God, I trust you first. 10 4, you're in charge. That's all up here. How do we transition it from what we understand mentally that God is in charge and he's going to take care of us to our actual emotional state? How can we say, God, I know, you, I know you're good and I know you're going to take care of me, but inside I'm still full of anxiety and hopelessness and I don't feel the way my head knows. How do we make that transition? Well, what fuels our hope, as I said, is to recall his faithfulness in the past. Here's what it looks like. We say things like, God, you are amazing. You are wonderful. You saved me from myself. God, you rescued me from darkness and brought me into light. You carried me through losing that relationship. You rebuilt that relationship I never thought I'd get back. God, you saw me through when I thought I'd end up on the street. God, you helped me when I needed to kick that addiction or habit. God, you gave me children when I never thought I could have any. God, you have been there for it all, and you've never not been there, faithfully delivering me out and delivering me through since my youth. Anybody else excited right now? See, when you start talking about what God has already done in your life, it begins to make that transition and fill you up with such hope, such joy, such excitement because we serve a God who is active and who cares. That is a beautiful and wonderful thing, and that's what the world needs. So we look at the last part of verse 6, and it says, I will ever praise you. We don't recall God's faithfulness in the past and say, hey, you did that, so I bet you're going to do this. No, we praise him. We get excited. We, we praise the name of God because he's worthy of being praised. It moves from the inside of our minds to the inside of our hearts because we remember who is really in control here. Who's really in charge? That God's in charge, and he's got you, and he's been with you through a lifetime of faith. And so our hope is fueled by his faithfulness. We recognize him first as the one in charge, and then we get all jacked up about how he's always been in charge. Amen? So we look at God first, but what happens next is pretty amazing. Let's look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Do not forsake me, God. Let me, don't, don't let me go until I tell other people, the next generation, about how good it is to hope in you. Your third feeling is this. Hope is contagious. Hope is contagious. There is something about hope that is so powerful when it's made personal. That when you've walked with God and you've lived out a life of hope and faith, People want to be around that. People want to get connected to that. And he says, God, don't let me waste another minute until I can tell the next generation about you. See, I think the next generation, the millennial generation is dying for hope. Dying for hope, dying for something that is tangible, something that is real, something that goes beyond just going to church on a Sunday, but something that is infused into your life that actually makes a difference. And if you want to know how to reach young people or anybody for that matter, it is based on your life being rooted in the hope in Christ. That's it. That when the world seems like it should be stressing you out, when you should be overwhelmed, when you should be depressed, you're saying, God's taking care of me. God's taking care of me. I'm all right. My future is secure. I am okay. When that starts to happen, people want to listen. And so I think there's this, uh, I want to show you guys a video. Uh, it's about a three-minute clip um, of what this kind of looks like played out. So if you can go ahead and turn that on.
Hope is contagious. And it is a beautiful picture of what hope can do for the world. See, the unshakable faithfulness of God in your life, the joy and peace that comes from hoping in God, it can change the world. It can change the life of your children. It can change the life of your grandchildren. It can change the life of your coworkers. It can change the life of your friends, your parents, your spouse. Hope can change the world. And it starts with God. And what happens is, is we lift our eyes to him and we say, this is all a mess, but I trust you. I remember who you are and what you've done. And then the really cool thing happens. He gently begins to set your eyes back on other people. Because if we're okay, if we're truly okay, God's going to take care of us and let's figure out who's not okay. Let's figure out who does need some hope. Let's figure out who hasn't quite gotten connected to Jesus yet because that's what's going to change the world. Hope is a beautiful thing. And so hope is trusting God over yourself. It is then fueled by his faithfulness and that wonderful hope is contagious. So a community that lives this out, that's filled with hope, is what Christ died for. To free us from Satan, sin, and death, Christ said, okay, I'm going to take away everything that could make you feel hopeless, anything that could make you feel uh, in darkness, I'm going to come, I'm going to beat that. I'm going to beat that, I'm going to take care of all that on the cross. And so when you become new life in me, you can now have hope. And the community can gather around the hope that life doesn't have to be that way. He frees us from all the stuff that causes anxiety. It says of, it's said of him that he is the hope of the world because in him we are secure forever. Forever. There is never a time where you weren't secure in him and there's never a time where you won't be. If you are in him, you are in him forever. And that is worth being hopeful about. The world needs hope. Who better to show than God's faithfulness? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for who you are and what you've done in our lives and just ask that you continue to uh, develop us into a community of hope, that we can be the kind of people that are contagious in our faith and our love towards you, God, and that we will change the world by our life living in you, God. And so we trust you, ask you to continue with us throughout the day, and that we can remember who it is that has us. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.